Hysteria is brought to you by Books. This Mother's Day, give mom her flowers. She deserves the best. That's why you should send her farm fresh flowers from Books. That's short for bouquets. And right now, you can get 25% off your entire Books purchase. Here's why everyone likes the Books company. Books is different. Their flowers are cut fresh and sourced directly from the best flower farms, so they last way longer. They even have flowers grown on the side of a volcano, which I love. Books has modern designs and unique flowers you can't find anywhere else. Books is simple. Go online, pick the delivery date, and you are done. Mother's Day is May 12th. Don't miss the chance to thank your mom. Order your books now. And with 20% off, you can send some to mom, wife, aunt, and even grandma. Erin, I love my books. I love a flower that lasts forever, and my books arrangements really do last a full solid week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have uh, I have some sitting on my kitchen table right now, mm-hmm. and they've been there for several days. And usually when I buy them at, like, the grocery store, they're sort of, like, starting to crap Fade. out pretty quickly. Yep. Not with books. They stick around. They look beautiful. I like how they kind of slowly open up and become even more beautiful as they sit on your, you know, wherever Absolutely, you Absolutely, because they're that fresh. So go to books.com and use promo code hysteria for 25% off. That's B-O-U-Q-S.com, promo code hysteria. Books, promo code hysteria. Hello and welcome to Hysteria. I'm Erin Ryan. And I'm Alyssa Mastromonaco. Alyssa, I'm going to ask you a little bit of a probing question. Okay. Coming in hot early in the morning. When's the, when's the last time you had a breakout, like a teenage, reminiscent teenage breakout on your face? A teenage breakout. Erin, I'm going to be honest with you. I get one right around this time every month on my chin. My adult cystic acne is brought on by my period. It lasts for three weeks just in time to get it again. Oh, wow. What a yeah. gift. What 40s a gift. are awesome. I can't. I can't wait. Um, so, you know, I was told, I was told by pop culture that when you get pregnant, your skin glows. You get great skin and great hair. False. False. My pores are partying like it's 1999 <laughs> on my face this entire time. I like I've never had a problem with acne, thank goodness. It sounds like a really awful thing to go through. But my skin is at its worst right now. It's it's really? ne- it's never even when I was a teenager, it was never like if you get up close to it, it's like gah. And and to make matters worse, because of the Delta variant. I'm wearing, I'm masking. A Delta variant plus, like, immune system being repressed by my condition. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm masking when I go into, like, mixed company indoor spaces now. And so I'm getting, like, maskne plus whatever this hormonal shit is. That's so one I also am masking just because Delta variant. It's like, why not when I go into big stores? But I have to say from here, you look good. Well, thank you. I am currently in a child's room. I in, see. In Duluth, Minnesota. Yeah, this is not this is not my stuff. I'm in, I'm sitting in front of a rocking pink flamingo. What's best is that not only that, but this week you have a handheld mic and you literally look like you're on location from somewhere crazy. <laughs> this is Aaron Ryan reporting from a child's room. I have decided to investigate what a child was after becoming <laughs> pregnant. Uh, so far, I can see they appear to be smaller than adults, 
Um, they play with a lot of pink things and dolls and seem to sleep in wooden cages. Back to you, Alyssa. <laughs> See, this is great already. <laughs> this week, we're joined by Megan Gailey and Dana Schwartz to tackle the following questions. What is it about Texas politics that generates so much fresh hell and produces so many hellraisers? When people underestimate you, does it help to just let them and then teach them a lesson? And which panelist is the latest victim of the tragic engagement epidemic to strike this very show? All this and more right now. Okay, so the news. Alyssa, we have discussed the fact that we predicted that July would be annoying as June yeah. was annoying. And July is has been pretty annoying so far with a couple of potential bright spots. Um, so this is a sort of lemons and lemonade kind of news segment today. You know, lemonade's a great summer beverage. So how do you cure the July blas and with taking the lemons that the news gives you and making them into some lemonade? So in that spirit, let's start with Texas, where the stars <laughs> and <laughs> where the stars at night are big and bright. And the governor's brain is smooth and plain. Uh, <laughs> off the top of your head. Off the top of my head. Greg Abbott sucks. He just, that bitch cannot govern. He sucks so bad. I feel so bad for the good people of Texas that they have to deal with him and their resting uh, corruption face, LG. Anyway. Um, okay. So Texas passed a new abortion law recently. And when it passed, we knew it was pretty bad. We knew that it was a six-week ban on abortion, which is essentially a ban on all abortions because most women don't know they're pregnant when they are, quote-unquote, six weeks pregnant because that happens two weeks after you are supposed to get your period. So, right. you, And most OBGYNs won't even see you uh, until you're eight weeks along to confirm a pregnancy um, because you can't detect a pregnancy that early with most ultrasound machines, with many ultrasound machines. So it's essentially a ban on abortion. But to make matters worse, this law depends on people snitching on each other. This is crazy. Yeah. So I was thinking we could call it the Karen law for our purposes, K-A-R-E-N. Uh, which stands for Kiss the Ass of Religious Entitled Narcs. Whoa. Or, or Keep Abortion Reporting to Evil Neighbors. Um, <gasps> yeah. It's fucking incredible. You are really firing on all cylinders today. It's because I'm in a child's room. and It's because you're really... reporting live from a wooden cage. Yes. <laughs> um, but Alyssa, like, can you kind of share some of the reasons why this is so egregiously bad. I think Aaron, I guess the best way to describe it is by a scenario that if you and I, if you and I were in a grocery store and you were telling me that you had an abortion, uh, and the checkout clerk overheard us and saw us get into an Uber and like, no, we would have to be, she would have to help us find the Uber that took you to the abortion clinic. But basically, if people can find out that you had an abortion, they can sue anyone who helped you have the abortion. So if your neighbor finds out that you're on your way to have an abortion and they can see the Uber driver's license plate, they can sue the Uber driver for $10,000 for taking you to 
your abortion. It is essentially the most malevolent episode of the Andy Griffith show. It is like deputizing <laughs> Barney Fife. It's like citizen's arrest. It's like when in, in Mayberry, when someone would make a citizen's arrest and Barney Fife would go batshit, they literally have deputized a bunch of people who would drive Barney Fife batshit to go around and fucking like sue people who they think may have helped you have an abortion in Texas. Uh. It's it's actually crazy and it really encourages the worst it encourages the worst behaviors by the worst of us. So um yeah and 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 like it's supposed to take effect September 1st. So people who live in Texas are not currently living under this reality. And we also don't know if anybody's going to sue to try to like stop the law. We can assume that they might, but the thing is organizations that do things like file lawsuits to prevent abortion restrictions from going into effect, don't really share their legal strategy like way right. in, in advance. So we won't know until, you know, the rubber hits the road when it comes to that. But, you know, if this law goes into effect, I have a little bit of a trolley solution to the people who have to be stuck living in Texas. What? Lie and say you're having an abortion when you're doing something that is easily provable as not having an abortion. Before you get into an Uber to go to your mom's house, say, on my way to my abortion, like ah, yell it. Flood. Exactly. It's like a DDoS attack. Overload <laughs> the circuits. No matter where you're going or what you're doing, unless you're going to have an abortion, put off to have an abortion. Here are the people who are helping me. And the people who are helping you should be people who are not helping you and have very easily provable alibis. That's, I think, the Aaron, only way to combat this law. I feel like we have found our call to action for all of September. Exactly. Also, uh, yes, over, over report, report that, like, <laughs> lie and say you're having, if you're a dude, I think that's a great way for men to help out. Yell, I'm off to have an abortion before you go to do anything. If you're going to go buy a car, tell the car dealer, I'm going to use this car to drive people to have abortions. And you see- know what? Test drive a car. Say you'll be back after your abortion. <laughs> right. Overload the system. That's the only way. This is an extremely frustrating law and we're laughing, but it's like, it's so ridiculous. Um that it's, I don't know what else we're going to do. I know. No, it's, we're, we're laughing because it's so laughable, but this is fucking, it's lunacy. And it is just another one. We saw this in our research. 2021 legislative session has set the record for the most abortion restrictions signed in a single year in the United States. Like, it's fucking nuts. I, I don't know. Is this like part of a freak out about a drop in birth rate? by people who are unwilling to take any steps whatsoever to make motherhood or parenthood more economically feasible to people? I think it is maybe more. I think that's part of it. I also think that there's just like a fringe group that's been waiting in the wings for their opportunity. And this is, you know, at some point, I hope, we hope, we hope the world, America, is going to wake up and be like, yo, we've been doing some real crazy shit the past couple of years. And I think that they're all trying to get this in under the wire. <laughs> be like, you know, this is our time. Strike now. I mean, Aaron, this law is so fucking nuts. I had to read it multiple times to be like, this can't 
this can't be. They're 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 making a law that law enforcement is not meant to engage in. It's just citizens. Just go get them. Yeah, that's why we have to overload the system. And I'm going to say this, and and this is a wildly irresponsible thing for me to say, and I may have to retract it. Um, but if you're a woman in Texas who has an abortion after September 1st, and you want to talk about it with someone, but you have nobody to talk about it with, I'll sign an NDA. You can talk about it with me. Me too. We'll sign NDAs. We'll do we'll, it. We'll be there for you. We'll be your pal. And I bet, you know what? I bet if you live in another state and you have friends who live in Texas who might need someone to lean on or talk to, just, you know, offer to sign an NDA. I will not disclose you exerting control over what happens within your own skin because that is your fucking business and not Greg Abbott's business and not any of the other busybodies who pass this law's business. It's nobody's fucking business but yours. Ugh. Terrible, terrible law. Okay, so we talked about lemons and lemonade. Yeah. Texas is also in the midst of a special legislative session that was called exclusively to pass a very restrictive voting law that most citizens are against. Um, most voters are against it. Um, but because of the way that Texas is represented in the legislation, uh, most legislators are for it because they're mostly Republicans. So this is the lemonade moment in Texas. Um, I believe 60-something Democrats. We don't know the exact number. During this special session, uh, Democrats decided that they needed to resort to desperate measures in order to keep this law from passing. And so they chartered two private jets and they got the hell out of Dodge. Alyssa, you want to talk a little about that? So here's what I love. First of all, they had to do this like super cloak and dagger because they didn't want anyone stopping them. Um, so they flew out. And if you've listened to any of the members of the legislature on television in the past 24 hours, one state legislator, her clothes were still damp that she packed into her suitcase to take to Washington, D.C. So here is the, the most interesting part of what they, well, aside from doing what they did, is that they decided to go to Washington, D.C. and make the case to lawmakers that this is how bad it is. This is what they've had to resort to to stop the laws. They need the John Lewis Voting Rights Act passed. They need H.R. 1. They need help. And they are meeting with people. They have a meeting set with Senator Joe Manchin, which I think is really encouraging that he is taking that meeting. And they're sort of very bold and and flashy, you know, or splashy, I guess is a better word, um, move in flying from Texas to uh, D.C. has pissed off the governor so much, again, Greg Abbott, bitch can't govern, that he's threatened to uh, arrest them all when they uh, get back into Texas at some point. <laughs> it's, a, it's a real way to solve a problem, you dick. And interestingly enough, last night, Jim Clyburn, who we know uh, has a very special relationship with President Biden, uh, came out on Rachel Maddow and said that he is supportive. And, and I think anyone who, who watches uh, Clyburn knows that he is very measured. He is, he is a bit of a moderate. And he has come out for a carve out in the filibuster saying that the filibuster should not apply to voting rights legislation and that we should move and pass these things because this is so crazy. So hopefully it seems like at least their move to leave Texas to get attention to what's happening has caught the attention of Jim Clyburn and maybe we will see some movement. Yeah. You know, 
the actions of Texas Republicans reminds me of this kind of unifying theory I have of like Americanism, like what it means to be American, what Americans think they are versus what they actually are. And uh, and the Looney Tunes. I think I've shared this with you before, right? It Yes, and it is so accurate. Please regale me. Right. So, you know, we're a country that wants to believe that it's made up of Bugs Bunnies, cool under pressure, getting the best of people who are trying to go after us, you know, keeping ourselves together, being true to ourselves, engaging in trickery, having fun, <laughs> but always coming out on top. And really, you know, we are not a country of Bugs Bunnies. We're Yosemite Sam's. Yosemite Sam. At best. And until we admit that we're Yosemite's, we need to get away from our Yosemite Samness and back toward our Bugs Bunniness. We're just going to be a bunch of embarrassing fascists. Like, you know, there's nothing cool about Greg Abbott being like, I'm going to arrest these people who don't want to pass this law that nobody wants. Like, chill the fuck out, dude. Like, what what is wrong with you? Like, what is wrong with him? What is wrong with him? Like, <laughs> also, why would they ever come back? I mean, he's just, it's like his his concentric Venn diagram. They, he doesn't He doesn't understand how it works. Right. I mean, he can keep calling special sessions over and over again. So eventually this is probably going to pass unless they make enough noise to convince them not to pass it, which I can't see happening. Or if they make enough noise to get a federal law passed, which right. might happen. Um, it's just, it, it's frustrating, I think, to see Texas Democrats, a place where they spend so much energy just fighting for their own existence, they have the uh, stones to get on planes and fly out of there and resort to desperate measures in order to preserve voting rights in their state. You know, what what remains of voting rights in their state. And Democrats in Washington don't seem as switched on about it. You know, it's it's like, I think we need more behavior like that from more Democrats. I agree. Like our friend, Rep. Nicole Collier, who was on the show just a few weeks ago, who was front and center on the plane heading to Washington, D.C. I love her. Good for her. Good for her. Um, do you want to talk quickly about another thing that might not be annoying about July? A possible non-annoying thing? You mean that thing that's TBD? TBD. Uh, Democrats have agreed to a $3.5 trillion budget to advance with the infrastructure deal. Um, so on Tuesday evening, Democrats announced that they'd reached an agreement on a $3.5 trillion reconciliation package, which includes money for climate change, which we were worried about losing when we were talking about this, because I feel like both of us have adapted the attitude that it's better to be impressed than disappointed. Exactly. Um, <laughs> so uh, there's there's money for climate change. Uh, there's money to expand Medicare. And there's also money for other Democratic priorities. They're expanding Medicare um, to include vision and dental, which I didn't realize were not included in Medicare. I had no idea that they were not included. Yeah. Holy shit. Uh, Bernie Sanders wanted Medicare uh, eligibility to go down to age 60 or 55. He didn't get that, but he did get the basic fucking shit that already should be included in Medicare. And also, this is just like, you know, we have seen some of our moderate friends be very uh, stubborn and very like my way or the highway. And here is Bernie Sanders. His goal was a $6 trillion package. He agreed to a construct of $3.5 trillion. Bernie has compromised. Bernie has, as chairman, come out with a structure that now all 50 Democrats have to agree to. Can they do it? 
I don't know. Can they do it, Erin? Therein lies the sugar for the lemonade. (laughs) Right. I mean, exactly. The only thing that I I guess the thing is that I'm worried about is Joe Manchin, who knows what's going on in his brain. And, you know, Kirsten Cinema seems to love attention of any kind more than millions of elderly people would like vision and dental coverage. Um, so I'm a little worried about both of those, but I don't know. I, no Republicans have agreed to this, by the way. No Republicans have agreed. But again, in the potential sugar for our lemonade, Joe Manchin did this morning say he was reading, uh, he said in a positive-ish way that he was still reading um you know, what was being presented, which none of us have seen because it hasn't been released, the details, where the devil is. Yeah. Um, So fingers crossed, maybe Joe Manchin has started listening to Hysteria. What do you think? Uh, He might not like what we say about him or what we think about him, but you know what? If you can't listen to criticism, then you're probably not that, you're not tough enough to be in charge of uh, helping lead the country. And here's this chance to prove us wrong. And if he does, we'll say that he did. Yeah, we admit we're wrong. We do it all the time. Like totally. we, sa- we said that we thought July would be 100% annoying and now we're saying that it might not be. So we're look, calibrating. Growth. <laughs> growth. <laughs> um, we have a little bit of a fuck that guy, right? This is a uh. late, a late breaking fuck that guy. <laughs> um fuck that guy Ken Starr. Fuck Ken Starr. <laughs> um I mean, that guy has been on a, a like Fuck that guy list since the 90s, right? For I mean, for a long time. But I think he's really just uh, the news story. What was it last night or this morning that came out? Yeah. Earlier this week, a woman named Judy Hirschman, who is a Republican strategist who had worked alongside Ken Starr for a long time and had sex with him over the course of Ew. the year several times. Yeah. Literally, don't literally fuck that guy. Do not fuck Ken Starr. Especially don't fuck 2009 Ken Starr. I mean, gross. 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 This is why we need a union. He is on the the not sanctioned work list. (laughs) Um, So Judy Hirschman wrote a piece on Medium about uh, how Ken Starr is kind of a scumbag and how he has built his entire career defending rapists and pedophiles, um, which is pretty hard to refute. There was also the part where Judy says that back in the day when she was working with Brett Kavanaugh, that he like verbally assaulted her and she told Ken Starr about it. And then when he was asked about it during the Christine Blasey Ford testimony, he denied it. So fuck him. He's all about like lying. Wasn't his whole thing that Clinton lied under oath? And here he yeah, was. Yeah, lied, fucking- aff- lied about an affair. And then, you yeah. know, Mr. What Mr. Do you know? King Christian Dominionism is out there defending, like, Jeffrey Epstein. You know, he was, he was one of the one of the architects of the Epstein deal that helped him first avoid prosecution in Florida. Um, and he also defended rapists when he was the president of Baylor. He lost his job because he was so into helping the rapists. Um, and he also had an affair himself with one Judy Hirschman, who— mm-hmm. You know, appreciate the medium post, Jude, but like this would have been a lot more helpful a few years ago or 10 years ago, you know, like, I mean, I'll give you the most tepid of golf claps for this. Like this, it is, it is a, it is a polite golf clap. It is not a Rudy 
slow clap, you know? No, no, no. it's it's a it's a like like you know kind of grimace while the camera pans over you in the award ceremony audience, like pretending to clap for someone who you don't really care about. Uh. It might actually be kind of like how Speaker Pelosi clapped for Donald Trump in the State <laughs> of the Union. Yeah, Judy Hirschman gets a Pelosi clap for that. Um, like, thanks, but also like, where have you been? Totally. Like, you know. Okay, so fuck that guy, Ken Starr. Oh, 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 one more thing. One more thing. Alyssa. What? what? We what? talked. We talked about this on text, but this is the funniest thing. Um, Hirschman's piece on Medium talks about how Star was basically pouting because he wanted to be on the Supreme Court. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> come on, you Dude. Dude, yes, and I want to be an Olympic gymnast in my late 30s. You dumb thumb of a you man. You dumb, stupid. <laughs> Ken Starr, you'll never be a Supreme Court justice. Everyone will remember Ever. you for being for being a defender of pedophiles and are an architect of a Jeffrey Epstein sweetheart deal. Like, get the fuck out of here. He sucks. Go. He sucks. God, Texas is producing just a, a lot of terrible stuff byproducts of uh, of texas not not really impressive this week except for the democrats okay we have to take a quick break but when we come back we're going to talk about an iconic film that turns 20 and what that says about how we assess women's potential but before we get to that one of our listeners submitted fuck that guys hi hysteria you know who can get fucked Elon Musk. Fuck that guy a lot. He's an asshole, a misogynist, an egomaniac. He doesn't pay fucking taxes. He hates unions. He allows his workers to get injured on the job with no recourse. And his most minor offense, but icing on the cake, is that he makes shitty fucking cars that magnetize themselves to other assholes. So fuck off to space, Elon Musk. This episode is brought to you by IQ Bar. Power up your life with superior brain and body nutrition products from IQ Bar. Their plant protein bars are the perfect low-carb breakfast. Their IQ Mix Zero Sugar Hydration Drinks replenish electrolytes. And their IQ Joe Mushroom Coffees will keep you focused all day long. Start each day right with IQ Bar's brain and body boosting bars, hydration mixes, and mushroom coffees. Their ultimate sampler pack includes all three. IQ Bar empowers doers with superior brain and body nutrition. All their products are entirely free from gluten, dairy, soy, GMOs, and artificial sweeteners. And today, Hysteria listeners get an exclusive offer of 20% off plus free shipping. Just text HYSTERIA to 64000. One thing I love about IQ Bar is, first of all, right now it's really dry where I am. Oh, okay. It is hard for me to stay hydrated. I just like, I, I'll just be going through my day and I'll be like, why am I so like... Parched. I'm parched. I'm in a bad mood. I feel like I'm going to pass out. And it's, ah, you got to drink some water. You got to stay hydrated. I really like their IQ Mix Zero Sugar Hydration Drinks because it allows me to rehydrate myself at a time yeah. when I feel like the atmosphere is trying to take all my moisture away. Well, and sometimes you need more than just water. Sometimes you need more more than just water. I also love IQ bars because I love a portable breakfast. I love a grab-and-go breakfast. No dishes. 
love something I can walk around holding and eating. I like something I can eat in my car without endangering the lives of me and every other motorist on the road. A breakfast burrito, <laughs> not not the safest thing to eat behind the wheel. IQ bar, go ahead and do it. Good for you. Great ingredients. Helps you stay focused and alert throughout the day. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, and you don't have to dirty any dishes. Refuel smarter with IQ Bar's Ultimate Sampler Pack. That's seven IQ Bars, four IQ Mix sticks, and four IQ Joe sticks. And now our special podcast listeners get 20% off all IQ Bar products plus get free shipping. To get your 20% off, just text Hysteria to 64000. Get your discount. Text Hysteria to 64000. That's H-Y-S-T-E-R-I-A to 64000. Message and data rates may apply. See terms for details. And welcome back. Alyssa, do you ever see that something is turning a round number anniversary of years and feel extremely old? Yeah. I really only like to celebrate the fives and the zeros. Yeah. So this week or this past week, I saw some celebratory posts about this movie that came out in the year 2001 and they're like, 20 years. I was like, that's, that can't be right. 2001 was seven years ago. You know, it's I mean, I'm still 25, dude. Yeah, that doesn't I mean, I I am not wearing whisker wash bootcut jeans anymore, but (laughs) uh, it doesn't feel like Legally Blonde came out 20 years ago, but it did. It did. But it did. Um, And we're going to talk about what that movie kind of did for people back then, what it means now and kind of talk a little bit more widely about the utility of playing dumb in situations where you are underestimated. And to talk about all of that and more, I'm going to bring in two women who you know and love. First, she is a comedian and co-host of I Love a Lifetime movie, along with Naomi Perrigan, who I've heard of. Uh, it's Megan Gailey. <laughs> Hi, Megan. Hello, proud floozy and bimbo signing in. <laughs> <laughs> Which? What's the difference between a floozy and a bimbo? I honestly think a floozy, which I have been called before, is more like, hey, boys, like is is more like flirty and leading with like her sexuality. And a bimbo is more like, what? Uh, (laughs) I don't know. I don't know, though. That's Mae West versus Marilyn Monroe. I believe so. I believe so. Okay. I could see that. I think that's a fair definition. But who called you a floozy? Was it an 80-year-old? Was it like a member of a barbershop quartet who disapproved of your shoulders? um, No, it was a a male comedian who was like, you're kind of like a modern floozy. And I was like, (laughs) I love that. (laughs) And then you said, oh, fiddle faddle. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. You're just the cat's pajamas. (laughs) Um, And last but not least, she is the host of the Noble Blood podcast, and you can order her forthcoming book, Anatomy, A Love Story, wherever you buy books. And she's newly engaged, Dana Schwartz. Hi. Hi. I'm so happy to be back. You you caught the hysteria disease, and you are (laughs) engaged now. (laughs) I know. Um, I've been embarrassed to be the only one who wasn't engaged. 
And that's oh, why you did this. That's yeah. The, the only uh, reason. We, all, we are so committed to this pod. It's really incredible. <laughs> I mean, it's definitely not a cult. Anybody who thinks it might be a cult, it is not. It is 100% not a cult. That's how you know something's not a cult is when someone is like, it's not a cult. Um, Dana, and, I, and I chose to get your initials branded above my vagina. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It's with a heavy heart that I say, as an aside, and I will not be taking follow-up questions, that I know the head of that cult's lawyer. I used to be <gasps> friends with her. I've hung out at her house. Whoa. Yeah. She was also Bill Cosby's lawyer. Moving on. Oh. Um, <laughs> okay. So, Dana, I want to hear everything. Tell me what happened. Uh, and also, you were wearing a fabulous dress, and I want to know everything about that also. Uh, thank you. Uh, it was very cute. It was like because Ian and I, my fiance, uh, met in COVID times this it was like a running joke that we hadn't gone on our quote unquote like first date yet because like you know we did a lot of taking and cooking and so this was our first date he rented out a movie theater and screened <gasps> one of my favorite movies what movie wow uh you've got mail oh. wow <laughs> i know and like brought candy and like went out to dinner and then we were walking to our neighborhood ice cream place and he did the fake he had untied his shoe without me noticing and got down to tie his shoe and then proposed as a double oh. fake out. And I had a feeling that maybe he, this might be the night or I was like, okay, there's a few like occasions coming up this summer. So I'm just going to like have my nails done and be dressed up for all of them just in case. <laughs> and so this this was the first of the night. So I, I bought like a, a really nice like white dress that I'm like, I can get away with this. It's summer in LA. It's not too obvious if I'm wearing white. And so I wore, I was coincidentally wearing a white dress and he... Uh, hired like amazingly, like an amazing woman who was there to take pictures when he it actually was proposed. Was my wedding my wedding photographer? She's good. She's uh, well. Good. Now wow. I'm like she has to be. It was amazing. <laughs> it's the best I've ever looked in a photo. So you suspected that this was coming because why? Like what? What specific things happened that made you think you were about to be engaged? He. We had like talked about weddings and like engagement in like the general sense, and that he like knew what kind of diamond I wanted and, like, what my well, ring size was. Because I'm an <laughs> obvious person. I'm like, hey, isn't it interesting how I only wear gold jewelry and would want a gold band if I ever got engaged? And also, I only <laughs> like emerald-cut diamonds? That's just an interesting fun fact about me. Size six. Uh, so he knew. And then I had a friend be like, hey, like, why don't we get our nails done? And we've never, we're not friends who have ever gotten manicures together. Uh <laughs> And then he was like, yeah, like, get dressed up. Like, maybe do your hair for this date. Like, he, like, I think what maybe was a little nervous, and I was sort of reading that he was, like, planning something. Yeah, I think the that hints the, were the, there. the big, the the friend being like, let's randomly get a manicure is like, come on. Awesome. <laughs> and also, you don't want, I'm strongly of the the mind that, like, if you're asking someone to marry you, you shouldn't be, like, nervous about what the answer is going to be. Yeah, you yeah. shouldn't be like, oh, I'm going to surprise her with marriage and she'll be floored. Like, we've reached the point in our relationship where it's like, okay, I think we're we're moving towards marriage and on the same page about all the important things. So now it was just the question of when. Oh, man. You know what? Every single smart woman I know who has gotten married was like, oh, yeah, I knew it was coming. Like, they yeah. all, like, had an inkling. Am I stupid? I was totally surprised. I had no idea. I had no, <laughs> no idea. idea. I no guess. Idea. Really? 
Yeah, I was like completely, I didn't have my nails done. I was completely like, what is going on? But honestly, I'm like, everybody else could pick up on the signs. And in retrospect, I should have, but I just didn't. He he also flew, my family flew in to surprise me. My family's Mm -hmm. in Chicago, so they were- I mean, unbelievable. When we got back to the house after ice cream, I was like, oh my God, I have to call my mom. And he's like, well, why don't we like take a beat and like walk home and like, and then of course, like, I walk in, and it's like a surprise party. Um, but oh. I had, I watch a lot of Columbo, so I feel like I had pieced together that something was happening, <laughs> even if I didn't know what it was. My, like, little sister, it was my dad's birthday, and I was like, what are you doing for dad's birthday? And she was like, oh, we're barbecuing. And I was like, mom and dad don't have a grill at the new apartment. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Honestly, if there was such thing as a fiancé all-star game, it sounds like oh. your fiance would be the captain of that team. Yeah. Like captain he, of the American League fiance all-star team. He nailed it. Surprise family, excellent ring, romantic, like first date. So now we can be like, we got engaged on our first date. Oh, oh he check, check, check. Oh, Ian Carmel all-star. Beautiful. Oh, I am so happy for you. And uh, I... I just I'm just couldn't be happier for you. That's so great, Dana. Thank you so much. And this episode, I feel like, is perfect, like, talking about Legally Blonde and, like, stereotypically feminine things because, like, I'm getting so excited to get married. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I could say it's, it's, you know what? It's going to be a process that is going to be, like, eye-opening, planning and stuff. But I think that, like, you're smart and you'll figure out ways around some of the things that drive people crazy. Um, I love a spreadsheet. I really do. But you're going to love planning a wedding. It's going to be <laughs> it's going to be like your favorite thing. Um okay, so Dana, let's I'm going to start with you since you brought up legally blonde and like stereotypically feminine things. Um so on July 13th, it was Legally Blonde's 20th anniversary. It came out in 2001, like we mentioned. How did you feel about it when you first saw it and how do you feel about the film now? I loved it when I first saw it even if I didn't, like, couldn't articulate maybe why or, like, what I liked about it, I just always thought it was, like, a ridiculously fun movie. I liked the musical when it came out. I always had fun with Legally Blonde. And now I feel like I appreciate it even more for, like, it being a really feminist film in a way that is disguised as being uh, sort of retrograde, but is actually really progressive. Expand on that. This idea that women can be intelligent, not only in spite of their interest in fashion and stereotypically feminine things, but because of them, like Elle's final victory isn't that she's transformed into a Navy suit wearing, you know, what's typically thought of as like a quote unquote smart woman, but that she shows up in this like pink suit and heels. And it's her knowledge of fashion and beauty that like lets her win this case. And she's never a cruel person. She's like the most kind person throughout the entire movie. She loves supporting her female friends. Her female friends like, and I don't understand why she wants to go to Harvard Law School, but support her. Like it's a very accepting, kind movie about women. And I like that it lets women be both feminine and smart. Where so much of like a, a strong female character in air quotes is like, a woman with a ponytail and a leather jacket who like rides a motorcycle and just like is a hot man. Mm -hmm. You know, she's just a man, (laughs) but that men could have sex with. 
<laughs> I mean, yeah, I think I think one thing that I think now looking back on Legally Blonde is that it's it's a movie like all movies that came out then that is a product of its time. And so, you know, it doesn't necessarily reflect things that we know and that are part of the popular discourse today. Um, but I, I agree with you. I think it's like uplifting and and cool in a way that a lot of movies in that genre weren't. Megan, as a self-described floozy, um, did you identify with Elle Woods, the character, and do you identify with like sort of the way that she uses people underestimating her against them? I don't think when it came out, I felt like I identified with her, but then now I feel like I identify more with her. And that may be just that I'm in a male dominated field. Um, and when I was 15, I was in high school. So it's like come being out in the world and being like, oh my God, people do actually treat you this way has made me realize my inner L Woods, I think. Mm -hmm. Alyssa, you've worked in super like high powered positions and you've remained true to yourself through all of that. Um, did Elle Woods resonate with you as a character? And like, do you, do you think that she is important to a new generation of women that you've observed? I don't know if she's important to a new generation. I do know that she was important to me back. I mean, full disclosure, I think I was roughly Dana's age now when the movie came out. I was, I was 25 when Legally Blonde came out. And there was something about seeing someone Elle never changed who she was to be able to thrive at Harvard or in the law firm, wherever she ended up, um, even though people tried to make her feel super uncomfortable. And I think that part of my, uh, which I actually ended up, God, I didn't, guys, you sh I should have fucking footnoted Elle Woods. But in my <laughs> book, I wrote about how I became so much better at my job when I could wear clothes that I really felt comfortable in and that represented me. And so one of my, which we have... I have actually talked about as an Elle Woods moment was when I went to work um, when I had become deputy chief and I didn't realize I had this big meeting with all these generals and military people in the situation room. And I had a shirt just bedazzled with hearts. I mean, I was dressed like a fucking Care Bear. And you know what? I was like, oh the my thing God. is, is it because I wasn't faking who I was when I went down that they were kind of like, she's cool. Like, she's fine. <laughs> she must think a lot of us that she wore a fucking sleeveless heart shirt from Kate Spade. Um, <laughs> and so for me, it was like, you know, but that, that, that moment in time was probably about 10, not even, maybe eight years after Elle Woods came out. But no, at the time when it when it came out, I mean, I saw it multiple times in the theaters, you guys. And I was just like, this is fucking great. Look at her go. And like, also, <laughs> I wish Kieran were here because it's a bit of a rag on Harvard. But, you know, I got rejected mm -hmm. from every Ivy League school. And so I was like really excited that Elle Woods got in. Yeah, the Harvard of it really gives me um, comedy writer sort of PTSD because like if you go to Harvard, I mean, it's the same, I guess it's the same maybe in any industry. If you go to Harvard, you're going to get a job. And so even though Elle is like this rich girl and nepotism obviously benefits her in so many different ways, her like going to this place where they will not accept her, but like is the breeding ground for what she wants to do is a metaphor for every single 
like fields in life. Like if you want to be in comedy, you go to Harvard. If you want to be a doctor, you go to Harvard. If you want to be a lawyer, you go to Harvard. Like if you want to be a writer, you should go to Harvard. It's all these things. It's like not all of us can go to Harvard, but Elle <laughs> can. And did. And, and did. did. And I'll did. say as a girl who was never like the sorority type, like I just like, I never was like one of the, like the prettier girls growing up and like wasn't in that like group. I really liked it because like Elle is so nice as a person Mm -hmm. like she's doesn't like I was always like a little bit scared of sorority girls just in theory Mm -hmm. um totally and and she's just so nice and that's like I think one of the main reasons I like the movie is you just like sink into getting to feel like you're friends with Elle Mm -hmm. yeah she's like the platonic ideal of the sorority girl yeah. Like she's she's like beautiful and she has like a very distinct sense of style and she's confident and she's sexy, but also she's not like a cunt ever. Like mm-hmm. she's ever. never, never cruel. She's never like uh, she she never acts like a jerk to anybody. And even when she's like getting one over on people, she's uh, nice about it. Like when she's winning arguments, she's like nice about it, even when she's. When she tells uh, who did oh who Selma Blair's character yeah when she tells Vivian. her that she yes when she tells Vivian that she looks constipated she still like says it in a way that's kind of nice <laughs> and there's that moment where she like she knows how she's perceived like she knows that she's blonde and hot and she uses that for good when that boy is getting bullied by the girls he asks out mm-hmm. and then she goes up to him and like makes it seem like he rejected her mm-hmm. like she uses her power for good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that that Elle Woods is sort of like, you know, there's nothing new under the sun. And Elle Woods is a great character in Reese Witherspoon, just like knocked it out of the park playing her. Um, but it, when I saw it, it reminded me of like Dolly Parton, kind of. Like Dolly Parton has always yes. embraced, like mm-hmm. always embraced what people, yeah, it's like let them think what they're going to think about her. I think her nickname is like the Iron Butterfly or something like that because she's like so sweet and beautiful, but like she's not to be fucked with like she and she will like smile the whole time that she's getting exactly what she wants and she's not doing it in a way that hurts other people but like for a new I mean and Dolly also has a son called Dumb Blonde um, which Mm -hmm. you know I think is is sort of along the same lines but I wanted to kind of pivot to like a larger conversation which is the idea of playing dumb uh, because there are um, you know, the the moment in the movie where Al Woods says, Harvard, what? Like, it's hard. You know, she it seems like she's kind of leaning into people's expectation that she's not going to be good enough or she's not going to be smart enough or she doesn't know how much work she's going to have to do. Um, has there ever been a time, I guess, Dana, I'll start with you. Has there ever been a time that you have been underestimated because of your gender or your age or anything like that? where you, instead of fighting it, have been like, you know what, I'm just going to let this person underestimate me so that I can surprise them with how awesome I am. I think sometimes I, my persona has never been that of the bimbo. I don't think I, that's my aesthetic or I couldn't pull it off if I tried. That's just like, I'm very much brunette with her hair pulled back is my vibe. <laughs> so so I, I do feel like that I, on some level, like I, I can't do that. But I will say like in job interviews or like, you know, book publishing things, like sometimes I play up a little bit like, oh my God, isn't this crazy? Like I know that I'm here because I'm I'm almost like embarrassed or intimidated to be like, yeah, I worked really fucking hard and here I am. 
Like, I think sometimes I'm like, I'm so lucky, like, and make it seem more like it was just like a fun accident. (laughs) Right. Well, do you think if you didn't do that, that there could be consequences in a worst case scenario? That if you didn't act like surprised and like, oh my goodness, I'm shocked by the fact that I did a smart thing. Do you think that there are people who would maybe punish you for that? Yeah, I do think like, to be like considered likable, you sort of have to be shocked by by success. And if it looks like you try hard, people think you're a try hard. I mean, it's like Anne Hathaway sim- syndrome, right? When she like got the Oscar and she was like, it came true. Like people were so mad at her that it's like, oh, we get it. You work to get an Oscar. Like people hate hmm. women who look like they try hard and people want to celebrate, you know, a woman like more like Jennifer Lawrence. She's like, yeah, I'm just like a regular girl. And here I am. Isn't it amazing <laughs> that I'm like hot and successful? <laughs> I just farted. Ha ha. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm Jennifer Lawrence. Um, Megan, have you ever played into people underestimating you uh, in order to kind of like get ahead? Absolutely. I, it like it <laughs> happens every time I go to a new comedy club because it, it you and and I think I do a little bit of the L too of like I'm actually not nice all the time. I can be quote unquote like mean on stage or like be, like that persona is like bitchier. And so I'm like over the top nice off stage and kind of over the top like wow, this room is beautiful. Like it's the first comedy club I've ever been to because they just hate us. <laughs> like I, like it, it it feels like a defense mechanism for sure. Interesting. Alyssa, do you have any experience uh, playing up people's uh, underestimating you? Not really. Um, (laughs) I mean, you know, people, if anything, I think I've always been underestimated because of my age. I mean, not now, please. I'm not talking about now. But like, you know, back in the day, the, the, the time I wore the heart shirt that I mentioned was actually a time when I was like, you know, okay, I was meeting all these people for the first time. They were decorated generals and 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 members of the military who were going to explain to me how the White House military office works and and what some of the bigger issues that they face are. And so at first, and I guess this is one way of doing it, but my assistant came in with a read book that was like 500 pages the night before. And he said, look, I've gone through this and I've flagged all the things that I think you know about that you can talk about in the meeting tomorrow. And I was like, yeah, but that's not going to make them, if I come in like a know-it-all, that's not going to make them feel like, you know, it's like, oh, who's this 30-something-year-old person who knows what we know that we've been doing for 30 years? So what I actually did is I went through and I tabbed all the things that I really didn't understand. And so I went into the meeting and I kind of led with curiosity. I was like, look, Mm. there's a lot in here I understand. There's a lot that I would like you to explain to me, which I truly needed. Like I wasn't, I wasn't playing a game, but I figured that, but that tactic was one that I thought they would see as a sign of respect more than me trying to come in and pretend like I knew exactly what they did. And I thought the outcome would be better. And it was, uh, once they stopped trying to salute me in my heart shirt, um, (laughs) So that was one time, that was probably my biggest example of being like, okay, like what's my Mm -hmm. approach here? And I went with going with, you know, expressing what I didn't know, but I don't think I tried to play like I was dumb because my, my problem is that people, I think were always looking for me to do that so they can Mm -hmm. have a reason to be like, see, she can't Mm -hmm. fucking do this. She's a child. And so I think I always played up 
Well, that's as if any of the pod bros are listening to this, they'll be like, you were a fucking clown. What are you even talking about? <laughs> but I was a clown with them. You know, mm-hmm. I was a clown with them. Not not in situations like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I found that like short term, uh, it's it's sometimes saves some headache to just play into the like, oh, OK, you think I need all this explained to me? All right. I'm going to let you explain it to me. But long term, I've realized that like unless you stop going out of your way to make people feel useful when they're not actually useful, when they're being condescending. If Unless you put a stop to that, that's just going to be how people treat you for your whole life. And it gets really, really annoying. And I think that I, I maybe when I was younger went a little too far in letting people f- like, like faking, uh, feigning, not incompetence, but feigning need in order to make people feel more useful than they actually were to me. And now it's something that like, I get so irritated when people over explain things to me that I'm kind of a bitch. Like it's, (laughs) it's like, it's become like a callus in my, in my heart. And I, I like, so I'm, I'm not at a place where I, where it's easy for me to be like, oh, really? Can you please help me with this and explain it to me when I already know how to do something? Like, I was just thinking about that scene in Mean Girls when Katie pretends that she can't do math yeah. so that the yeah. cute boy, so that the cute boy helps her, Aaron Samuels. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> you looked I, up like you didn't know his name. Like, is that it? Oh, Aaron Samuels. <laughs> I was, no, I looked up, think, I, I was thinking at that moment, why do I know this? And why, am I for, <laughs> why have I forgotten so many other things? Like, why is this how my brain organizes information? Like, fucking dumb brain. Um, no, I just, I've, I've found that like I exhausted my reserves of patience mm. for people who need me to do work to make them feel useful. Mm-hmm. It's like, why, why am I the, I, I think that people like the Elwood's character and people like a Dolly Parton, a real life Dolly Parton, or people like somebody who can kind of strategically take a breath and assess a situation like, okay, would it be more useful to me to let this person feel like I need them mm-hmm. intellectually, mm-hmm. or would it be more useful to me to teach them a lesson? Um, mm-hmm. I always go with teach them a lesson, which isn't always the right. <laughs> it isn't always the right call. But I, when I think about the character of Elle Woods and the the playing dumb thing, and we can say we can say dumb blonde, but I feel like dumb blonde is like really limiting. I think it's just the expectation that any woman who cares about how she looks is automatically stupid. Um, I think like leaning into that is not something I can do anymore. I've like reached the end of my ability to do that because it's like teaching people how to treat me a way that I don't want to be treated. I'm just too competitive. Like even if I get the sense that like the way I play Scrabble is wildly unattractive, I <laughs> I still, I can't help it. Like I play Scrabble with my boyfriend to the point where like, he's like, we can't play Scrabble anymore. We don't. He doesn't let me play Scrabble anymore. He says I get shark eyes. Oh wow! <laughs> and I think that I'm I'm playing dumb in situations in life now where it's something I don't want to do. 
Or it's like something I want for, you know, it's that like, it's easier to ask forgiveness than permission. So it's like, oh, this door, where does it go? I'm more like, or like when I, if anything is going wrong with my car, I literally throw my hands up and go, I cannot do this. And, and, (laughs) and there will be a man come and be like, I'll save you. And sometimes it's my husband, but I'll go to like, I drove my car somewhere and I go, I just don't know what to do. And they just fixed it for me. Even though it was a very easy thing um, that I probably could have done. But I'm like, I don't know what to do. And I can get this man to do it for me. And I don't know if that's feminist, but I felt like it was an anecdote I needed to share. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think everything needs to be feminist. Like you sometimes just need to survive in the existing structure that we live inside. Like you don't, there's no way to live every single day with every micro decision you make being the most feminist thing possible. Yeah, um, I'm lazy and I want men to do shit for me. look women do a lot women do a lot and uh, a lot of the stuff is is just stuff that we're expected to do and we're not really thanked for and so I think that it's totally within your rights to sometimes be like I can't do this how do I buckle my seatbelt or whatever (laughs) you need um so uh one thing I wanted to ask everybody is um have you read about like the background of the like Legally Blonde screenplay and like how with the original okay so Dana has Dana what do you know about like the backstory of Legally Blonde I mean I think I just know what everyone else does which is that I read the oral history uh in the New York Times and also when I was at Entertainment Weekly we had a rom-com issue and one of our writers who I'm I'm so wildly jealous that it wasn't me sat with the screenwriters and did like a watch rewatch wow wow um so I I heard that the in the original like concept of the movie, they were thinking of it more along the lines of like American Pie, mm. like a kind of raunchy sex comedy um, about this like hot chick who is the first ever hot chick to go to a hard law school. I guess mm-hmm. I don't know, uh, which is weird because like I was just I was just talking to my brother this morning about how like silly it is to be like, what if a hot girl did this smart thing (laughs) or like, like hot, like hot girls haven't been doing smart things forever. Like Lucille Ball was doing comedy in the fifties and she was better than almost everybody. And she was fucking beautiful. But every time there's a beautiful female comedian, people are like, she's beautiful and funny. It's like, (laughs) no, how do you forget every single time? Like, how do you not remember? You know what was wildly funny? Marilyn Monroe. Marilyn Monroe was hilarious. You watch Some Like It Hot and you're like, oh, she's really funny. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she's super funny, but nobody thinks that, like, somebody that attract Nobody who makes you want to fuck them can be smart or funny. They exist to be fucked, not oh, to no. be oh, smart boy. or funny. I got to switch guess- careers. <laughs> the, problem, the problem with Legally Blonde in the abstract, like in the ether... Is it, then it it does for people who don't like analyze or interpret it on any deep level? Does it raise this expectation that now women have to be smart and also look like Elle Woods? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the point. Yeah, yeah, but missing the point is like one of the main things we do as a country. <laughs> yeah, we should put that on the dollar bill. That's the most American <laughs> thing on earth. Missing the, it's why people think Tony Soprano was cool instead of like kind of a kind of a stupid idiot who felt like uh, he was a failure as a dad like he was kind of cool but only because he was funny um people who think that like tony montana was cool and it's like no he was extremely fucked up 
The Scarface mm-hmm. guy is not cool. You missed mm-hmm. the point of that movie also. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is this shitty expectation, I think, with, like, the Bond girl trope also, that, like, all nuclear physicists also have mm-hmm. to look like Halle Berry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, I don't know a single... I don't know a single nuclear physicist, period, much less one who looks like Halle Berry. Um, okay, I want to wrap up this part of the conversation by talking about uh, men and playing dumb. Have you ever seen a man play dumb and uh, weaponize naivete? Alyssa, I feel like you've been in like places where men should know better. Uh, like in the halls of government. Have you noticed a, a man trying to play like he doesn't know what he's doing when he actually does? You know, not off the top of my head. I mean, like it's not just off the top of my head. I thought about this a little bit. And there's like not a real example where I can think of someone being just stupid, like mm-hmm. on purpose, like trying to get their way by being not smart. But I mean, you know, I, yeah. I, I think, think about the Me Too moment. Mm-hmm. I think that entire oh. every defense of like a man accused of sexual misconduct was like, oh, I'm dumb. That's mm-hmm. a, well, that's a ve- OK. That's a very good example. That's a very <laughs> I was trying to think of like real people. But I mean, like in, like in my day to day. But no, I mean, that's I mean, every man who was like, what do you mean? I didn't know I had a button under my desk that locked the door. It's like, how could that have scared anybody? How could that have been wrong? Right. Or like Black Lives Matter and guys being like, oh, wow, I guess racism does exist in this country. Right. They're bandwagoning that like very, very basic thing that they <laughs> they definitely already know, but now feel ashamed that they weren't like really doing anything about before. Yeah. <laughs> um, Megan, have you ever seen an example of a man play dumb or weaponize naivete? And yes. did that... Uh, reputation stick to him after he was done done playing dumb for that one incident? Yes, I have seen um, men do this and it seems to be a trope of of men that grew up in upper middle class or richer households. And I've seen them do it as like a, I'm just like you. And it's like, you're not. Um, <laughs> you you went to boarding school and you know a lot more, but they're, it, it's like a, They're trying to be humble, I think, but it comes across as, like, very disingenuous. Um, Like, people pretending they're, like, salt-of-the-earth people, but really Exactly, yes. And also people that are like, I hustle, I grind, and then it's like, you have a trust fund, like, what's going on? (laughs) Um, that, That happens a lot, a lot. Yeah. Now that you bring that up, that kind of reminds me of this, like, it's like J.D. Vance syndrome, even though he didn't come up with this. J.D. Vance is a a writer of a shitty book and a guy who is polling in the single digits in a race for Senate in Ohio, Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) despite having, you know, lots and lots of venture capital money and, and big Republican donor money being thrown toward his campaign. He is a doughy little inside boy who's trying to represent himself as a uh, big, tough alpha male, which whatever. Um, But J.D. Vance kind of is somebody who went to Ivy League schools. He um, has spent a lot of time in New York City. He has millions of dollars. Um, But he loves to act like he's just a, aw, shucks. I'm just a country boy. Like, I don't know anything. What are shoes? Uh Uh, Anyone (laughs) want to join my jug band? And like, I think the thing that's really frustrating about people like that, 
about usually men, but it's just anybody with like a privileged background who's trying to pretend as though whatever advantages that they have don't exist. Not, not only do they not exist, they've never even heard of them. You know, mm-hmm. like Ivy League, never heard of it. Um, it's like when Ted Cruz wears jeans. That's the the vibe that he gives off. <laughs> oh, Dana, why did you make me think about Ted Cruz wearing <laughs> jeans? Uh, um, but you're right. I think that's exactly right. It's just or in like the the George W. Bush all hat no cattle thing, <sighs> like a guy who grew up in Connecticut pretending to be a Texas rancher. Yeah. Which, by the way, did you know that George W. Bush was the inspiration for the guy who played L. Woods's boyfriend <gasps> in no. Blonde? Oh yes. my god. Yes. Wow, that's funny. That actor um, decided, he was like, okay, I'm going to play, you know, this kind of rich, entitled legacy boy. And he um, used George W. Bush as as inspiration. But I think the problem um, with men who do that, who aw shucks, or super privileged people who do that, so like, you know, white women, rich people, whatever, um, is that that doesn't stick to them in people assuming that they're incompetent. You know, like if you're if you're somebody if you're like a woman who cares a lot about her looks or who wears a lot of makeup or who like does her hair a certain way, um, that sticks to you. Like before you even say anything, people assume you're Mm -hmm. you don't know what you're talking about. And um, with people like a J.D. Vance or whatever, they're still going to get like jobs at lobbying firms because the people who are in power actually know that they really are. Smart. They're just like yeah. trying to pull one over on the people who they think are too stupid to know the difference. Um, okay. I, I know I said this was the last question, but I this is the real last question. Legally Blonde 3 is happening. I think mm-hmm. Mindy Kaling is writing it. Is that right? I think she's co-writing the screenplay. Um, Alyssa, what would you like to see happen in Legally Blonde 3? Oh, my God. I don't know. Do we want Elle Woods to be on the Supreme Court? Do we want her to be a member of Congress? She might be running for president. I don't know. Sky's the limit for Elle Woods. Okay. Megan, what do you want to see Elle Woods doing? (laughs) Um, I'd love to see some black people. And I would love to see some maybe people of color, some different shapes and sizes. And maybe not everybody is rich. Um, so maybe just make the make the cast a little a little fun. Maybe maybe we're not at Harvard. Maybe we're at a state school doing something and <laughs> and Ella is trying to get tenured there. I don't know. <laughs> Dana, what do you want to see Elle Woods doing in Legally Blonde 3? I want to see her bring a case before the Supreme Court. Yes. I want to see her as a lawyer. A Ruth mm-hmm. Bader Ginsburg. Yeah. I, yeah. Put put her in a time machine and send her back to the 60s and 70s. Have her be like this little tiny woman arguing cases in front of the Supreme Court and having this like, oh, anyway, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, that's exactly what I want. I want the RBG movie, but with Elle Woods. <laughs> <laughs> you know her her luke wilson is such a marty ginsburg mm-hmm. <laughs> he really is that's mm-hmm. a great point um yeah i would also love to see her as like an amal clooney type yeah character like a human rights lawyer who's like doing stuff that really isn't going to bring her fame or riches like maybe she's given all of her money away maybe all she does is go around and like Maybe she works with the Innocence Project. I would love wow. to see. Wow, we need her to be woke. We definitely want yeah, woke, woke L. Oh, what if she has a baby and she's one of those women who like is like, I'm going to be a lawyer and also breastfeed while I give my closing argument. Okay. Oh, yeah. 
Love that it. would be breastfeeding and legally blonde three. You heard it here first. <laughs> yeah. I think um, that's the best idea I've had. I, I stand think, by it. I think that it would be really hard to get past some studio execs, but if you could get it through, they would be, <laughs> I'm just imagining them being like, great stuff here. Couple notes. <laughs> Does she have to breastfeed with her breasts? Yes. Oh. <laughs> um, okay. We're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, I feel petty. And... Welcome back. We've reached almost the end of the show, but not quite the end of the show, which means we're going to tell you about what we're feeling petty about this week. But first, before we get there, a little bit of housekeeping. So maybe it was like six weeks ago, right, Alyssa? Six weeks, two months. What is time? I'm becoming what like a dog like a dog or a baby. I have like no sense of time. I don't know. What what month is it? Um, we asked for listener submissions for a fuck that guy segment. And we played one for you earlier this episode for Elon Musk that made Alyssa and I both chuckle <laughs> heartily. Uh, fuck him to space indeed. Um, but we, we got so many great submissions from you all when we asked for them. We would love to hear more of them. So if you have a public figure, man or woman, any gender, who you believe deserves a hearty fuck that guy, you can record a 30-second voice memo and you can send it to us at hysteria at crooked.com. Caroline and the rest of us will listen to them, screen them, and feature a few of them in upcoming episodes. And we love hearing them, you guys. You're all so, so mad at these people. And <laughs> and in your anger, you bring us along. And, and we really appreciate it. Anger is so, uh, it's something to feel, you know? <laughs> something to feel. Okay, let's get to I Feel Petty. This week, uh, Alyssa, do you want to start us off? Guys, how is it that it's 2021 and we still can't conquer tags and shirts and pants? Like, <laughs> why do they still exist? I can't even. So a while ago, I got a haircut. And when she cut my hair, she did a funny thing that made the back of my neck itch. And so now I already have that sensation and it won't go away. But it's like every time I put a shirt with a tag on, it just drives me crazy. But you can't cut them out because if you cut them out, it's still itchy. Yeah. You have like the jagged little edge. And if you're lucky enough to get a shirt that has the tag like ironed on in the back, there's one on the side. And mm -hmm. it's like, can't you just use better ink and tell me how to wash my clothes without three layers of paper either on my neck or my side? And that I would ultimately have to cut out. And so anyway, it's been driving me crazy. I've tried a lot of different things. None of them have worked, including trying to tape them down with like painter's tape or masking tape. And it doesn't work. It doesn't work. So you and stitch ripper. Have you tried using like a like a quilter's tool stitch ripper to get it no, out? No, you know what? That's a very good idea. I'm glad I raised it here uh, today because the, I actually have one of those. And so <laughs> I will try to do that. But, but you shouldn't have to. You shouldn't have to. I know, no. but I was walking. So I have these, these yoga pants on today and the tag is so annoying. It only isn't annoying if you flip it up. And I was at the farm stand and I bent over to pick up stuff and they're like, you know your tags? <laughs> and I was like, it's the only way it's comfortable. And they were like, cool. <laughs> 
<laughs> be careful with those seam rippers. This is goes to your point. I've tried to cut tags out and then done it wrong and then made a yeah. hole in the in the side of my shirt. See? Why can't there be a better way? It's 2021. If Richard Branson can go to space, can't we have tags in our clothes that aren't annoying? Uh, yeah, Richard Branson should have to do penance for going to space by wearing an outfit consisting entirely of tags on the inside for the next several months <laughs> because he should have done something better than fucking send himself to space. God. Shirt of, uh, what's it called? Horsehair shirt? Or like self punch. <laughs> That's what he should do. He should have a horsehair shirt of tags. Um, okay, I will go second. Mine is also clothing related and it's sort of a positive, I feel petty. Um, this summer's women's fashions can best be described as sack-like. Mm. And I have to say, I let's keep it that way. Let's let's keep women's fashions sack-like. I have um I'm about 6 months pregnant and so now I can't wear my regular clothes anymore, but I can wear I can buy regular sack-shaped dresses mm -hmm. in this season's styles and they totally fit me now and they will fit me a couple months from now and they'll also fit me when I'm when I'm beyond this stage in my life. So I I just really appreciate being able to go out wearing like a big cotton sack, not feeling like my body is like on display. I just really appreciate the option. So I I think it's totally cool if you're one of those people who likes to show off, if you like wearing tight clothes and showing a lot of skin, that is totally fine and more power to you. I just want the option available every summer moving forward to buy and wear a sack, to have mm -hmm. it on hand and to have it be viewed as an acceptable thing for me to wear in public. <laughs> because mm -hmm. I, I really appreciate, like I feel so free and so comfortable. I don't know why I wasn't just wearing sacks all the time before. Um, so yeah, this is, this is for you, nap dresses, prairie dresses, mm, mm, giant floor-length t-shirts mm. with absolutely no waist definition. I love it all. I love it all. And I want you to be around, not exclusively, let's have some range for people who want to dress differently than that, but I want this around forever. That's what I feel petty about this week. I love it. Mm -hmm. I couldn't agree. I've been doing caftans since I was mm. Dana's age. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, okay, Dana, what do you feel petty about this week? This is so little, and I do feel petty. It's like petty in the petty extreme. I know that we have like every streaming service, and it's kind of annoying that we have to be like, oh, okay, what's on Disney Plus? What's on Amazon Prime? What's on Hulu? What's on Netflix? And like, fine, I've accepted that. My I feel petty is that the volume is wildly inconsistent between the streamers. I don't know mm. if you've noticed this. Disney Plus is way quieter than every other yes. streamer. So we yes. watch Disney Plus and we have to turn the volume up and then we go back to Netflix and it blasts. And I'm like, it, that shouldn't happen. I It's dumb, but I don't, there are so many things in my day that I have to remember. And I don't want to have to remember that after I watch Loki, I have to turn the volume back way down or else I'll like, scare my cats with how loud Netflix is. <laughs> so that's my I feel petty. I know it's petty, but I I do fully think that they should fix that problem. They that's... do it with commercials too. And someone yes. told me that that's illegal, but they're doing it. So I don't want to call the cops on them, but I'm upset. Look, if Congress can't pass infrastructure, the least they can do is put in some mechanism to enforce the law to make everything the same volume. It's not that. Just Thank do a, a single goddamn thing, please. Yeah, yeah. Please do a single goddamn thing. Okay, Megan, what do you feel petty about this week? 
Okay, so to me, there's nothing pettier than just true self-promotion. Um, and so I would like to let everyone know that last Wednesday, July 7th, and henceforward is Megan Gailey Day in the city of Indianapolis. I have <gasps> been given my own day by a hysteria listener who is a city councilwoman. And <laughs> I don't know. What? My husband doesn't have a day. My exes don't have days. None of my enemies have days. None of my heroes have days. I have my own fucking day in Indianapolis and we're going to do something special. I don't know what yet, but mark your calendars July 7th till the end of eternity. It's going down in Indianapolis. Uh, well, that's great. That I is just signed, great. I just signed <laughs> yeah. a contract extension so we can we can have a big old hysteria celebration next year on Megan Gailey Day. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, that's our show. Megan, Dana, thank you for stopping by. Dana, you just, you're like on vacation, right? A newly We'd, engaged? Yeah, we had like a little engagement moon in Malibu, but we're back now. Oh, yeah, well, thank you for taking- in Malibu and engagement moon. I know, it's too much, Dana. It's too much. It's, it's, it's cr- crossed the line to too much. No, but thank you so much for taking the time in both of your busy weeks to come and hang out. Alyssa Master Monaco, thank you for being my ride or die. And thanks to all of you, the listeners, for hanging out with us this week. There will be more for you next week. I am from another planet, this nation, Janet. But these girls got a fan it. Y2K email and scan it. Don't take no Hysteria is a crooked media production. Caroline Rustin is our producer. Our executive producer is me, Aaron Ryan. Alyssa Mastermonico is our co-producer and Brian Semmel is our associate producer. Kyle Seglin is our sound engineer and our editor is Sarah Gibalaska and the folks at Chapter 4. Our digital team is Nar Melkonian, Mia Kelman, and Matt DeGroote. Thank you to Juliet Beckstrand for production support every week. <laughs>